The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, welcome back to Tech Talk right here on High FM, where we try to bring all the latest gizmos, gadgets, tech trends, tech that affects your life, and just open up some of the crazy tech talk to humans, people who understand what it means rather to your daily life, to what you do, how you run your business, rather than all the gizmos and gadgets that uh, the techies love to talk about. Now, absolutely have to uh, have to you know, own up to the fact that I'm a complete geek and techie. I love talking technology. I can understand all the bits and the bytes, and that helps a little. But truth be told, we definitely, and this show today will focus on two things. IFA, which is the largest technology show in Europe, uh, and that was held last week. Well, this week as well. It started last week Friday, ran all the way to through to this week Tuesday, and highlighted all the latest technology that's going on sale. This is one really key thing, and it's quite important. All the vast majority of products, except for the one section, which was called IFA Next, uh, was products that were available right now or have been launched right now and will go on sale in the last quarter of 2022 in most countries around the world, including Europe. Obviously, a very European-focused show, but from what I've seen and from the announcements in South Africa, a lot of the products will be available on our shelves, in our stores, in the next month or so. And that's a lot of huge news. And this was the first proper IFA in three years since 2019. So lots to see, lots to do. The other big announcement, the annual sort of rodeo of tech, is Apple. Apple announced yesterday all their latest product or iPhone product. There's a lot of other products they do. But the iPhone, the Apple Watch, and the AirPods were announced yesterday, all the latest iPhone 14, and we'll talk a lot about that during Tech Talk Cafe later on in the show. But essentially, that sets the tone for the technology focus going forward. And there's one word that just keeps coming to mind. We all hear about it all the time, but there's no question that this whole conversation around interoperability and ecosystems and cooperation amongst various bits and pieces has become a huge trend. The latest gadgets and gizmos hardly stand alone. So a new camera is not a new camera. It has connectivity. It does things with other things. It either posts directly to social media or it uploads to the cloud or there's some technological connection with other services that make it much more useful to the general public. So We'll discuss a little bit about that because those trends come through both from the Apple keynote yesterday and from what I saw at IFA. And remember, IFA is not just uh, electronics. It's also white goods, fridges, washing machines, tumble dryers, vacuum cleaners. And you may ask, coffee machines, you may ask, oh, those are just, you know, appliances. No, they have chips, they have processors, they have uh, Wi-Fi connectivity. They do things that the standard washing machine, tumble dryer, humble oven didn't do a couple of years ago. And that in itself is a whole nother story. But just to bring you up to date with some of the latest news and whatnot that's going on in South Africa, Uber announced this week that they're going to pilot a new safety feature in Gauteng. Now, unfortunately, we've all heard 
some of the crazy stories about what goes on in Uber cars, and there have been a number of incidents that have been reported. The, the hassle is that for most of us, Uber has become a super convenient way to go out for a great evening, have a, a bottle of wine, a couple of beers, not worry about the hassles and take an Uber home, or the kids go out, do their thing, come back via an Uber. But the um, safety features have been a little remiss in terms of what they've been up to. And this one sounds like quite a doozy. It sounds like quite a good one. Uber will now allow riders and drivers to use the app to record and share audio of their trip as evidence in the case of a safety incident. Something actually that the drivers have been asking for based on a lot of feedback sessions they've had with the drivers. And they've been using it successfully in uh, the US and Latin America. And it will go live in South Africa today on the 8th of September, 2022. Now, from a, uh, a security point of view and a privacy point of view, all the audio recordings will be encrypted. The safety team will only be able to decrypt them once a driver or rider, that's you at the back, logs a support ticket on the app. So neither the rider, your, or the driver can play back the recording. And while both parties must be aware and consent to the feature, they won't know when it's being used, which is really important. And what they're trying to do is to improve Uber's handling of safety cases. So unfortunately, up to now, it's he said, you said, she said, we said. This gives an absolute evidence audio recording of what's going on. And it's, it's smart. It makes a lot of sense. Safety is sort of fundamental to anything. And if you're just going to hop into an Uber, you must know that you're being safe. So I haven't tried it yet. And he goes live today. So just have a look. It should update your app. Always update your app. It should pop up there and allow you to record. And I think it's a smart, smart move from Uber. And I think it'll bring a little bit of safety to, to all of us. In other news, and we spoke a lot about it in the last show, Samsung's new Fold 4 and Flip 4 brought a lot of new features and a lot of new functionality, mostly um, on the Fold because of Android's 12.1 tablet-style Fold Edition style operating system. Well, the good news is if you have a Fold 3 and your FOMO hasn't got the better of you like me, where you really want to try to get the new 14, or the 14, sorry, mixing up my phones, the new Fold 4, because it's slightly slimmer and slightly smarter and slightly cooler. But if you've got the older versions, you are going to get a download in the next couple of days to UI 4.1.1, and that's based on Android 12L, which is the large screen device operating system, with a lot of other little bits and pieces, lots of updates. I've just updated my 13, 13. I really can't get Apple out of my head. Sorry about that, Samsung. I apologize. My Fold 3, um, I managed to get it to update, and there are some really nice features, uh, include multitasking gestures, optimizations for the big screen. It just looks smarter. It feels more like a computer. There's a couple of app enhancements and a lovely PC-like taskbar, which is really great to use. So look forward to that. If you're a, a Samsung fan and you've been using any one of the folds, there's a lot of new software coming your way, and that should definitely enhance your, your experience and keep things going on. Another announcement that came this week, which will probably affect all of us over the next little while, though if you're listening to the show, you probably do have a smartphone, so it doesn't really trouble you. Though during load shedding, I must tell you, I've been noticing a lot of 3G popping up on my phone, whether it's the networks, towers trying to save energy by switching down to 3G networks, switching off 5G and 4G, and switching down to 3G, I'm not sure. 
but I've been seeing 3G more than I have in the last little while. But the good, well, good news, but the news is our communications minister has proposed a roadmap now for shutting down South Africa's 2G and 3G networks. And the reason they're doing that, very simply put, and we've spoken about this tons on the show, is spectrum. 2G and 3G networks are old, very old. They date back almost to the beginning of cellular 20 years ago. And they are very spectrum inefficient. They use a chunk of spectrum to do very little. They can't get a lot of um, calls and whatnot onto that spectrum. Whereas 4G, 4G plus and 5G is leagues ahead in terms of efficiency. So on the same spectrum that 2G and 3G uses, they can absolutely speed up and do enormous things with 4G and 5G. So expect by 2025, they're going to switch off the 2G and 3G networks. And another little note is those cheap little flip phones you see that you can buy, which take a SIM and make phone calls and send the odd SMS, um, are going to be banned from sale from 2023, Feb. So hopefully, I think it's a smart thing. It's time to move on. It's time to move up to better quality. It also means they can remove a whole lot of equipment and radios from the current towers, make them more energy efficient. Hopefully, they'll run better on 4G and 5G. So all in all, it's a really good idea. Now, we've got to take a quick break for our sponsors, and then I'll be back with my roundup of IFA, some of the cool gadgets, cool TVs, and things that I saw there. And we'll talk a little later after that about all the new Apple announcements, what they mean, should you upgrade, um, and what's new and cool from the world of Apple. We'll be back after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And this is my traditional Tech Talk Cafe segment where we have conversations with interesting people. Been few and far between of late. It's been a little bit difficult with all the craziness going on. But what we're going to talk about today is IFA, the large tech show that I attended last week and this week. And the Apple, the Apple announcement that went live yesterday. Now, moving on to IFA. As I said in the opening part of the show, IFA is the largest technology showcase in Europe. And the 2019 show, which I did attend as well, was jam-packed. No one, nobody in August, September of 2019 realized that we would take a two-year break from reality and do very little and stay at home and, you know, Netflix and chill forever and work from home. But this was, it was huge. There was not a corridor that wasn't jam-packed with product. There wasn't a, a alleyway that didn't have some tent showing off something. This year was the first year back properly with a, a normal show open to the public, open to the media, and it was big. It was really not quite as big. It wasn't as packed, but the stands seemed to have a lot more space. I think that worked really well. There was a lot more room to engage. There was a lot more room to talk. And because the show only has two media days, one day which is taken up pretty much by press releases while they continue to build the stands, that was last week, Thursday. And Thursday was complete havoc. It looked like a, a, a building site. By Friday morning when I got there, which was also a press day, but less so open to the public, everything was ready. Everything was perfect. Amazing. Absolutely incredible how quickly everything got done. However, the crowds were there, the young people were there, the old people were there, everyone was there, and it was the most amazing vibe in general. People were keen to see. Products were, were fresh. There was a lot of new products, and there was a lot of um, new 
talk around what's going on. Just starting with a quick overview of, of some of the key, the key trends and key products that we saw that really made a huge difference as far as I'm concerned or, or certainly impressed me. And that was we saw a lot of TVs. TVs have definitely become, and again, I think it harks back to the fact that people spend so much time at home and there's still a lingering, I wouldn't say caution, but maybe that's the right word, to go and sit in a public theater for an hour or two to watch a movie. So big TVs have become big. LG and a number of other manufacturers, Samsung, LG, TCL, to name just three, launched 98-inch TVs at IFA. And 98-inch is huge. It is. It needs a massive room. It's just a huge TV. But the quality was pretty amazing. And the prices, while very high, are going to be within reason if you've got a bit of money in the bank. So the new, obviously the new LGs were 4K OLEDs, not 8K, which is interesting. The, the largest 8K OLEDs are still slightly smaller, I think 82 inches. Not that that's a small TV in any way, but their 4K OLED TV definitely was a very, very high quality TV. I looked at quite at, at all three of them. The, the TCL and Samsung are LCDs, and they, they are obviously the latest generation of LCD, and I personally prefer the OLED panels. I think they're a little bit sharper. They're self-emissive, if that makes any sense. In other words, every dot is its own light. There's no backlighting, whereas micro-LED TVs like the Samsung and the TCL still have an LCD panel, some with some really clever technology to bring amazing brightness and color to the fore, but they still a two-part panel, lighting behind, LCD in front, lots of lenses and other stuff, and it makes things a little less sharp and a little less direct than the OLED. The downside of OLED still, without except there's some new OLEDs with quantum dots that get brighter, is brightness. For the most part, OLEDs are great in rooms that are slightly dimmer. In the evening, you get tremendous color, tremendous contrast, where LCDs shine where it's bright and you need much higher brightness overall. But I'm not going into that, but there was a lot of amazing OLED TVs from a lot of people. But LG Display, the, the sole pretty much manufacturer of OLED, was there in force. And their 97-inch LG G2 was pretty amazing. Everything I saw in it, Again, it's in a show, in a big hall. You can't really see, but I, I use LG TVs and I have an affinity to them because I've used them for so many years, although my personal TV right now is a, is a Sony OLED, of course. But very impressive TVs across the entire range. Their new Evo panels are definitely brighter. They've made a few tweaks to the heating because that's the other thing. OLEDs don't like to get too hot, so they manage that quite considerably. And really amazing TVs and big LCD panels from TCL also a lot cheaper, but uh, still uh, six and a half thousand euros, which is not exactly insignificant. You can do the math to what it means. But the TCL 98 inch was really good mini LED dimming, which gives pretty much the same sort of sharpness and accuracy as as OLED without the absolute um, lack of directionality and the real clarity that you can see. Again, using quantum dots, the Sony one was excellent. They call it the Neo QLED, and that one was 8K, um, which is quite impressive. And 8K is four times the resolution of the current four, 4K TVs. And when you walk right up to it 
and you look, you can almost not see the, the little pixels where the other two, which were 4K TVs, definitely you could see a little bit of the pixels, but generally you can't sit less than two meters away from a 98-inch screen. So that's pretty much neither here nor there. The other big news was microLED, something that's been sort of touted by all the manufacturers, Samsung were the first. In other words, it's using LEDs like OLED. In other words, every spot on the screen is an LED, and that LED is self-lighting. Because it's an LED and not an OLED, which organic light emitting diode, it's a normal metal light emitting diode, it can go far brighter and is amazing for panels that are in outdoors or in normal daylight. The problem with these micro LEDs have always been stupidly expensive and it seems a little bit like vaporware. We're not seeing a lot of them come to market. They can go up to 133 inches, they're huge. And 136 inches, um, LG and TCL were showcasing them. But again, not, not something that I think is ready for mainstream. So currently, probably the hottest technology in, in TV is OLED, with Samsung even manufacturing a new OLED panel using quantum dots, which Sony has launched a uh, product range, which should be available in South Africa very soon. And Samsung's own range, which will be cheaper than the Sony, no surprise there, will also launch fairly soon. And it's a lot brighter than the current OLED. And all the reviews, and from my experience, seeing them now, that is without question the best OLED panel TV that I've seen. Colors are amazing, a notch above standard um, OLED. Subtle, but they're brightness is distinctly better so on some really dark sections and really bright transitions amazing tvs so if, um and the 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 micro led versions of the lcds are a lot cheaper across the board and yet the quality of these tvs there's a couple of drawbacks you've got slight slight lack of direct or slight increase in directionality when you're off center the picture drops off a little but overall, the brightness and color and sharpness is without peer to anything else that's out there. So it's a choice. The, the most expensive, I think the finest TVs are OLED, where the others, the micro LEDs coming up very close, and in some instances as good, and in other instances much brighter So and cheaper. So the choice is yours. But a lot of work going into that across the whole TV ecosystem, and it's made a huge, huge, huge difference in terms of what you see and the quality. 8K is coming and coming fast. There's a lot of content coming, a lot of content on um, Netflix and on Amazon Prime and on Apple are being, Apple TV, are being shot in native 8K right now, downscaled to 4K for, for streaming and broadcast purposes. But 8K is coming soon. In the next year or two, I predict, and from what I can see in terms of the pricing and the availability of product, 8K TVs are going to become a big thing in the next year or two. The only real advantage of 8K over 4K isn't a TV above 65 inches. So if you're into the big TV category, then anything over 65 inches and 8K really is noticeable. At 65, not as noticeable, yet still a better quality picture than you could even begin to imagine. It looks like a photograph. It's that sharp on the 65 inch. Another product that I saw that was really cool, and this also set the trend for a lot of different products out there. BNO, as always, the real high end of, I wouldn't call it um, 
architectural designer audio. But for the most part, you'll always find that B&O is offered by your interior designer or someone who comes to do up your house in sort of the Swedish minimalist style. They still make incredibly good quality stuff and had a brief go and let's look at the B&O's new Bio Sound Theater. And in typical B&O fashion, this is not simply a sound bar. It is the hub for an entire home entertainment, home music and um, audio system as well. And I was very impressed with the quality, was very impressed with the upgradability, was not so impressed with the price, which is exceedingly high. But the look was a little retro with all the wood filigree and everything. But sonically and operationally, B&O to the T. Top quality sound, fits in perfectly with all their, their new TVs, um, which are OLEDs, by the way. And it is really a modular design that can extend across all the other products that B&O make to create an integrated and stylish, very, very stylish and very high quality. I can't knock them on their sound quality. I think for the money, you can probably get better sound quality, <clears throat> but you certainly can't get such a beautiful combination of, of usability, stylishness and sound quality. So if you're in that range, I believe this the new BR Sound Theatre will be available in South Africa towards the end of the year. Give it a give it a look. It probably, if you're in that league and you want to play with those sort of products, it's definitely something that's well worth looking at. And that's not to um, not discuss so many other things. I went to the Lenovo press conference and I looked at their new smart display glasses, something that's becoming, again, it's, it's trends. They come and they go, but smart virtual reality, well, not virtual reality, sort of augmented reality, glasses that give you information for lots of particular reasons and purposes are still a big deal. Apparently, um, Facebook are launching, or Meta are launching their new Oculus uh, th uh, full 3D and virtual reality glasses very shortly. So that whole mat, that whole thing hasn't gone away. But for a gaming, entertainment, and general use, there were more and more smart glasses available and i played with them the quality is great they're not going to be available globally for a while but always cool to look at but what was cool was some of the new lenovo laptops the IdeaPad 5a 5i chromebook big and very functional beautifully built runs on on chrome os which is essentially a cloud os it doesn't have much going on unless you connect it to the internet but at a really reasonable price, five, six grand, apparently great strides in education and places where it actually makes sense to have something where all the data is stored in the cloud and only supplied on use using the terminal, which is the Chromebook. So it was really, really, really cool. But one of the coolest gadgets Lenovo showed was the X1 Fold, the ThinkPad X1 Fold. So what it was is essentially... <laughs> like the Samsung Fold laptop uh, uh, phone, this was a massive, uh, massive 16.3 inch computer that folds into a full tablet type screen. But here's the trick. It comes with a really smart keyboard, which when you put on the base, instantly turns it into a standard computer. Everything adjusts. And when you move it away, it still remains active, but everything becomes this massive single screen and it's a flexible foldable screen it obviously comes with all the latest um, intel processors and and whatnot and it was just such a cool take on laptops laptops get really boring but you know they're a screen they're a keyboard 
Well, here's a foldable tablet of sorts with a full functional keyboard. It's slim. You close it. It looks like a normal laptop. You open it. It looks like a normal laptop. Then you whip off the keyboard, and you've got this massive screen to watch movies, play games, do whatever you want to do. Look at two documents. It folds. It stands. It's, it's really very, very cool. It's not going to be cheap. It's going to be in the 30, 40,000 Rand range, but it really is very cool. LG also had some interesting flexible OLED panels, which you can bend on command. You push a button and it becomes a curved screen, which is great for gaming, I believe. I'm not entirely convinced on curved screens for watching TV or for desktop use. I just find your it, it distorts things a little, but still very cool. Remember that OLED is flexible. And here's a screen that's got a backing that you push a button and the whole thing curves around. Not to be left out, our friends at Nokia showcase some brand new phones with a whole subscription service in Europe. They, I spoke to them. I've actually got an interview clip, which I was going to play today, but I'll probably keep it for next week. So I'm not going to go into too much about what they're doing. But essentially, they've got a very eco-focused. They believe they want sustainability to be front and center. They're going to definitely make their, their phones last longer. They've built, they've built them in that way. And their top-end phones and the whole suite of phones was really very, very nice. From a 50-megapixel PureView camera, 256 gigs of storage, all the way down to a, a very inexpensive, high-quality device. And there's some really interesting stuff coming from them. As I said, I'm going to steal my, old th my own thunder. I've got a lovely interview with them, which I'll play next week. But some new products definitely coming to South Africa. Really good quality, very well priced with the Nokia Pure um, Android experience, except they always notch up the camera a little bit. That's their little uh, secret sauce. And again, so many different products in that space. Lots of fitness products from Garmin, a whole new range of products from Garmin, a whole new range of products from Fitbit that were really cool, focused on, on lifestyle, focused on all the things that you need to do. The senses are getting better and better, so heart, blood oxygen level, blood pressure, skin temperature, all the stuff that Apple spoke about. All of these are becoming more and more common, and you're seeing them in more and more inexpensive devices. And my personal favorite is Fitbit Sports Focus. They really are very, very good at um, sports and health tracking. Not so great as smart devices, so you need to decide what it is that you want, a smartphone with health tracking or a health tracker without too much smartphone stuff. There's a price difference as well, but the new Apple watches also look super, super, super cool. So that um, pretty much rounds up some of the gizmos and gadgets that I saw. Before we take our quick break for sponsors, I just want to again mention that on the Samsung stand, on the Melee stand, on the Bosch stand, on the AEG stand, the integration of your kitchen with your living room, with your home entertainment, with your heating system has definitely ramped up a notch. There's much more open standards. All of them are working together. It's working together even with some of the Apple products in terms of the home. Smart home is becoming a big deal in most of the world with energy becoming a huge, huge talking points of controlling your energy usage, having smart devices that control when they switch on, when they switch off, how much energy they consume has become a huge talking point. But I could talk forever about this. There's so many things on the go, but we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. 
welcome back. And before, sorry, my phone is just <laughs> binging me. I should leave it on silent. Bad me. Just to quickly wrap up, Aoife, great show, great mix of social. They've got something called the Winter Garden where they had jazz playing every day with people on deck chairs sitting outside. The weather played ball. It was summery. It was lovely. Winter has not come yet or not coming to Europe. And the energy woes did not <clears throat> affect us in any way, shape or form for those few days that we were at IFA. But as I said, the focus on efficiency, sustainability and green, while a lot of people can write that off as, you know, these greenies trying to save the earth and all that, it definitely has become a mega trend within the technology industry and the use of technology to optimize the use of energy, to optimize the use of of, of gadgets and gizmos making them more sustainable. The amount of e-waste that is going around is definitely something that is being looked at very carefully across the most of Europe and the rest of the world, ultimately will come to South Africa. But the equipment is becoming smarter, it's becoming more energy efficient, it's becoming more uh, capable of integrating with your day-to-day -day activities to make things make a lot of sense, from your heating, to your cooling, to your cooking, to your audio, to your watching of TV. There's definitely a massive focus on sustainability and, obviously, energy usage. So that theme, along with the integration, and I mean, that goes directly into the whole integration of all the various products from your smartphone all the way through to your washing machine, being connected, talking to each other, informing you of what's going on. Also to your car, more and more electric cars, unbelievable amount of, of charging solutions that were on, on display there just by the by. But the whole Nature and style of technology is very integrated. There are very few products that absolutely stand alone other than a toothbrush, though those connect to the Wi-Fi these days too. So <laughs> there were some really smart startups showing toothbrushes that can do the most ridiculous things and, and, and products of that nature. So incredible show, great glimpse into the future of what's coming, and let's talk the next big deal, and that's Apple, Apple iPhone 14. Now, obviously, haven't touched it yet, haven't seen it yet. We'll probably come to South Africa sometime towards the end of October. That is the word. It's coming. It's launching next week, Friday, in most major markets, Germany, France, Netherlands, England, America, and some other markets outside of, uh, of those. But two new things were, well, a whole host of new things were, were announced. But in the iPhone 14 range, they they also announced the iPhone 14 Plus. Now, they've always had the Max in the Pro range, but in the non-Pro range, they've announced the Max, which is a 6.7-inch device with all the same functionality as the iPhone 14, which is a 6.1-inch device. And interestingly, in the good old days of, of, Sam's, of, <laughs> of Apple's, history. They had an S version every second year. So they had the 5, then the 5S, 6, and 6S. The iPhone 14 is very much an S version of the iPhone 13. In a nutshell, what they've done is improve the camera and the camera features considerably. They've left the processor at the 15 processor, um, which is pretty much the same as the 13. They've added some new, G uh, some new 
sensors, which make it, a, they've got a accelerometer and a couple of other sensors and the A15 bi, uh, bionic chip. And that has brought a couple of, you know, they've got, a, they announced, they were very keen to speak about their crash and other functionality. So if you have an accident with a phone and you're in the car, it will then immediately alert up to five people and call emergency services for you. And they've added in a satellite sensor, which is very, very, very cool on the iPhone 14 and on the 14 Pros. Basically, what this will allow and what was super slick to see is the way that it works. If you're far out of touch, and in many cases, in many places around the world, that can happen, and you need to connect to emergency services and there is no cellular service, you can, because those satellites are known and they use their software to find it, you can connect through one of those satellites to emergency services and send them text messages and receive text messages and send them your GPS location via a satellite service. Now, I think that is absolutely brilliant. Unfortunately, it's only going to work in Canada and the U.S. for now. They'll probably bring it to the rest of the world in due course. But I think it's really, really, really smart. And it's one of the sort of standout features. The rest are not very different to the iPhone 13. So simply put, if you're looking to upgrade, I would say stay away from the iPhone 14. If you've got a 12 and below, no brainer. But the 13 and the 14 are very similar. Same OLED display, some nice new colors. There's a light blue. It's got slightly better battery life. And the and the Plus has got much better battery life because it's a much bigger phone. They've got the new. They've got the same ceramic screens as before. And the front and rear cameras have much better low light performance. And they've also got a new action mode, which stabilizes video even beyond what they had before. The the demos of that looked super impressive. And if you're into photography, that may be enough for you to upgrade from a 13 to a 14. But essentially, very similar cameras. They are improved, no question. The front one has autofocus, which is quite cool. So your selfies become a little sharper and a little better. And overall, a nice, same same old, same old type change. Not a great upgrade, not a, a massive difference. They look the same, they feel the same, they've got the same notch, and um, very much a sideways sort of upgrade for most people. If you're going to update, I would say hang in there. We're going to have to take a quick break for our sponsors, and I'll be back with the other big name, and that is the iPhone 14 Pro Max and the Pro where they did, Apple did make some significant improvements. And that might be a really interesting thing, as well as a quick shout out to a new Apple Watch called the Apple Watch Ultra, which again is a discussion of a whole nother level. But they've brought out a rugged sports watch. So we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back, and I'm going to give you a quick roundup of what's left because I can see we are running out of time really fast. Also announced yesterday were the iPhone 14 Pro and iPhone 14 Pro Max. And what Apple have done is they've differentiated the Pro 14s from the normal 14s significantly this year. The 14s are an upgrade, camera, battery, uh, some few features over the 13, but it's not like chalk and cheese and a must-have. The Pro Max, on the other hand, is bringing a couple of really significant changes. One, there's a very different screen. The notch is gone, and they've created something which they call the dynamic island, where there's like a little pull box 
cutout for the front-facing cameras and the Face ID camera, which morphs into all different shapes and sizes. The demos look super cool. The people who are lucky enough to play with it said it's really a great UI thing. And that is available on the Pro and the Pro Max. The screen itself has been improved considerably, which is great. It uses less power, so we should get slightly better, better battery life because that hasn't changed. The basic physical size of the cam of the of the phone hasn't changed or looks doesn't look very different, but the cameras have been taken up a huge, huge, huge notch. There's a 48 megapixel camera with a much bigger sensor, with focus elements on every pixel, with pixel binning going on like crazy. So in other words, they 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 the amount of processing has increased dramatically using the new 16 processor, and it is without question a significant step forward in terms of camera, and from what the demos were showing, a tremendous improvement in some of the camera or computational-assisted photography elements. Now, the, the, pro, the pro devices have always been pretty good with, with their cameras. The picture quality has always been exceptional. Well, they seem to have notched that up to a significant way. It's also got all the new sensors, you know, the A16 Bionic uh, chip, much better low-life photography, photography, an upgraded flash that is more controllable, so you should get more natural, natural low-light pictures using the flash. And this will also be available next week, though the, the I'd forgot to mention the 14 large 6.7 inch will only be available in October. So next week you'll probably only get that a couple of weeks later. Um, but the pro models will be available. In a, they've dropped the green, but they've now got a purple, they've got a gold, they've got a silver and a black. And the new emergency services are there. The connectivity to satellite is there. The crash detection is there. And a lot of different um, features, which I believe makes it a possible upgrade from a 13 Pro Max to some extent, using maybe the trading program. Whatever the case may be, if you want the latest UI from Apple, it's there, along with this, this sort of clever morphing, I love their naming, island, what do they call it, the dynamic island display. But it looks super, super, super cool. If you've got, as again, 12 and below, probably a no-brainer upgrade. 13, possibly not, but it is a better camera, far better camera, far better computational photography, probably slightly better battery life and a better quality screen with a new UI feature, which they mentioned may come to the rest of the range in the next generation of devices. Now, before we go any further, I have to announce that, well, not announce, but talk about the Apple Watch Ultra. It is the first definitely different Apple Watch that um, Apple have launched since the beginning. The new Apple Watch 8 is better, faster, sleeker, slightly more edge-to-edge -edge screen. Uh, it's got a couple more features. It's got the crash feature, better GPS features, and um, a little bit better battery life. It also charges slightly faster, which is all great using the latest chips. However, the Apple Watch Ultra is their sports-focused edition. It's a dive computer. It's a hiking computer it really is amazingly complete in fact i think almost too ambitious in in its overall use it's going to be quite expensive but it's made out of pure titanium it's rugged it's got two day if not three day battery life 
and a lot of other features which look super, super cool. It's got a whole dive computer functionality built in. So if you're a diver, it works really well. And if you want to go climbing mountains, it's got the ability to work at, at very, very low and high temperatures. It just looks like a significantly comprehensive watch. And knowing Apple, they've probably done it in a way that is almost impossible to beat. So taking on all the opposition in that space and all the speciality guys in that space. It remains an Apple Watch, so it's a smartwatch. It comes with built-in um, LTE or 5G. I don't think it has 5G. I think it's got LTE. I will check on that one. And it's certainly a significantly chunky upgraded device, which looks really, really cool. Love to try that one day, and I will let you know. And on that note, I think I've been told that um, I have to wrap up the show. So, one last little thing from Apple with new AirPods, better sound, better battery life, better fit, better everything as per usual. I've never been a huge fan of the AirPods. I've just found them to be very expensive with not the greatest noise cancelling and sonically not the best available. But that's my personal preference. We'll try the new ones and see how they work. But the ecosystem works incredibly seamlessly and is very simple to set up, work, and you stick with Apple. They'll make your life super easy. So those are all the new products. That's all the new news. That's all the new products that are available, that will be available from both IFA and Apple. And we will go into a little bit more depth next week with a couple more of these products that I spent some time with and people that I spoke to. Until then, this is Stephen Ambrose on High FM or Tech Talk.